All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for the light that comes through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. And we praise you, Lord, um, for the season of Thanksgiving that we are in and for the season of Advent that we will soon begin as we anticipate once again uh, and remember uh, the tension in the world that Jesus stepped into uh, to bring this light of the world. So, Lord, would you bless us this morning with your truth, with your wisdom. Would you move in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for worshiping with us this morning. I'm Pastor Andrew, if we haven't met before. Uh, and normally this would be the first Sunday of Advent. So it seems a little weird that the, the lights aren't on on the tree yet. And uh, so Advent falls in a different way in the calendar this year. So Christmas Eve is actually the fourth Sunday of Advent. And I know some churches kind of jumped the gun and did Advent this week so they could have the four weeks, and that's fine. But we will have a fourth Sunday of Advent worship service on Christmas Eve in the morning. It won't be the Christmas Eve service, so we encourage you to come that morning and then come back for one of the candlelight services that we have as well. So we're at the end of this series, Gratitude and Generosity, and we've really been talking about some similar things this whole fall. Now, we talked about what it means to thrive uh, in and through Jesus Christ as a church, as a community. We talked about uh, anxiety, and we did this Anxious for Nothing study from Max Lucado and preached on those principles as well. Uh, and that was super, super practical. I'm thankful that we went through that. And so here we are at the end of Thanksgiving. Last week, we had my friend Derek Crawford here from Zion Lutheran in Clear Lake. Uh, and Derek, I'm glad that he was able and willing to come. He brings a deeper perspective on how generosity fuels a local church, since he's in charge of the budgeting and the money and things like that for his congregation. Um, I also noticed that Derek made fun of me quite a bit. Um, and I don't know, there's like a theme. When there's a pastor up here that isn't me, whether it's Allison, Derek, or anyone else, they tend to make fun of me. So Derek isn't here. I'm not going to make fun of him because he can't defend himself and maybe... Maybe I'm laughable, you know, maybe that's just what it is. So, uh, anxious for nothing, there's going to be some tie-ins today to that, specifically with what we're talking about. Uh, we talked about gratitude for a couple weeks, being grateful for God's enough, that God really has done enough, he has provided enough, and that we have this contentment that we can live in as the body of Christ. We talked about generosity the last couple of weeks as well, how we are blessed to be a blessing as God's people. That goes all the way back to the call of Abraham and God's promise to him. And it's true for the church today too. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others in the name of Jesus Christ. And we talked about how we are called upon by God to view all that we have and all that we are as his. And to prayerfully discern how God is calling us to use what he has given us to help our neighbor, to help our families, to help our church community, and to help uh, care for and bless those that God has given us responsibility for. And a healthy view of all that is that it really does all come from God. And that's sort of the bookend we started this series with, and we're going to end this series with today. And all of this is so that we can thrive in God's love and grace. God is calling us to thrive again, not just get by and not just survive, but to thrive. The eternal life that God has for you and for everyone is not one that you wait for when you die. It's one that is available in Jesus Christ today that we can begin to live into and taste and see. The life God is calling us to live as individuals and as families and as a church um, and as a community, it's a life that God means to be abundant. 
And so we really don't have to worry about a lot of the things that we tend to worry about, which is what we're focusing on today. Generosity and gratitude, it starts with what God has done. It ends with what God has done and promised to do. And so today, let's dig into our Matthew passage a little bit deeper, this section about not worrying. So I'm going to read through this, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I believe that is on page 1505 in your pew Bible, the blue Bible, so I encourage you to pull that out. I'm going to double check the page number for you to make sure I remembered that correctly. So it's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And yes, it is page 1,505. Beginning with verse 25, Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you be worrying by worrying at a single hour to your life? So as we talked about in our Anxious for Nothing series a few weeks ago, we find lots of things to worry about and to be anxious about in our world today. Um, that hasn't changed in the last two months that I've seen. In fact, there might be new things and more things and different things for us to find anxiety in. And Jesus here is trying to give some perspective to those who are willing to listen and some perspective to us today. And one piece of that is that God is actually going to provide. He actually is. It's not a theoretical sort of thing where you hope he does or in a perfect world God provides. No, God is actually going to provide. And then beyond that, God is actually capable of providing. Some people might believe that God has a good heart and just wants to do good, but sometimes he just can't get his work done in an evil world. Well, guess what? God is capable of providing for you and for me everything that he has promised. And in this Thanksgiving season, it would go a whole long way in our world, in our lives, in our culture that we live in, if we stop to account for the ways that God has done that so that we remember that he will do that. So worry is the enemy of thankfulness. It's the enemy of gratitude. Worry is something that steals away our thanksgivings. And as we lean into thanksgiving with God's love and provision, we combat that enemy of worry. And we don't want that worry to be part of our lives. We don't want that anxiety to be part of our lives. And when we do that, when we are thankful, when we are rejoicing, like we talked about in Philippians 4, we find something that is so valuable in our world today, and that is the peace of God. God promises in our, in our prayers, in our thanksgiving, um, in our taking our worries and our anxieties to him through prayer, with thanksgiving, that the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. This is from Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a verse you could hear five times a day, every day, and need it, each and every time that you hear it. So if you're thinking about committing one to memory, commit that little section to memory. Because God is promising his peace. By thankful prayer and by petition, turn it over to the Lord. Experience the peace of God which passes all understanding. 
God's peace promotes thanksgiving and gratitude and generosity. Worry takes away from that. So let's see what we can do to live into that peace. I want to continue with verse 28 of our Matthew passage. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I like this passage because Jesus isn't just talking about uh, basic necessities. Having clothing is important. Um, we live in a country and a culture right now where, by and large, very, a very, very small percentage of people struggle to actually have the stuff, the clothes, the basic necessities that they need. Yet those people are there, and we are called to honor them and to serve them. But Jesus here seems to be speaking about a little, something a little different, something a little deeper. He's talking about vanity. He's talking about the beauty of the fields, right? And how even the ultra-rich King Solomon, one of the richest rulers of the world, was never dressed as gloriously as the flowers of the field are dressed. And so the message here is not just about worrying regarding having clothes. It's about how we tend to worry about the stuff that we do have and if it measures up. How much time, how much money, how much worry do we give regarding how others see us? How they might judge us or rank us next to somebody else. I'm not saying that we can't dress nice. I think if I didn't dress nice, there might be some criticism from you, right? There's an expectation, but we, we can't, you know, we can care about how we look. We can care about dressing nice. But in our culture today, right, in our culture, self-image has become an idol. How others perceive us, people will spend their whole lives, each and every day, worrying about how people will look at them and receive them and see them, mostly on the image level, mostly on the surface, right? And especially in the social media realm, there are filters for everything to make you look better than you actually look, right? People have spent millions of dollars developing those things. So Jesus here is saying, don't worry about your clothes, really. There's a reason why I have like three sweater vests. I can't find any other good ones. But I really don't care. I'm going to wear those sweater vests, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be comfortable, and you're going to just notice the same three sweater vests, and that's okay. But there is more to life than spending our time worrying about these things. And God's best for you, his best for you, has nothing to do with the brand, the style, or the cost of your outfit. And we can apply this to so many other areas of our lives. God's best for you has nothing to do with the size of the tires on your pickup truck. It has nothing to do with the cost of your car. It has nothing to do with the bedroom count in your house. Be adorned with God's beautiful things. God's beautiful things. Like love. Care for your neighbor. The peace that passes all understanding. The joy of the Lord that he is willing to pour into us so that we might overflow with it. Be adorned with faithfulness and gentleness and so forth. You get the point, right? We spend all our time worrying about the vanity stuff. And man, we could do the thinking about what God wants to clothe us with a little bit more. Continuing in verse 31, Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
Now that's interesting. The pagans are running after those things, right? Those who are not Christian, not followers of God, not interested in the gospel, maybe not even caring about morality, those are the things that that group of people are running after. And those who are, uh, those who are following Jesus Christ are, are being encouraged here by Jesus to take a little different approach to the world that we live in and to not fall into the same trap. So Jesus is calling his followers to actually not lie, act like the people who aren't following God, right? He said there's something different about you and the gospel that you have heard and received that your life begins to change and you don't look like the people that haven't received the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is an important for, distinction for Christians in our world today and for us here in Emmanuel because we can so often fall into the same traps and the same ways of the world around us rather than focusing on what God has already given us. It's part of human nature. If you struggle with it, you're not alone. We all do in some way, shape, or form, right? Even when we have the truth of Jesus, we can still be led astray. It's one of those realities of living in a broken and a sinful world. And in this season of Thanksgiving, let's allow ourselves to be called back to the way of Jesus. Because we don't want what we do outside of the walls of the church to be interpreted as paganism. Or something other than Christianity or something other than following Jesus. We actually want our lives on display to draw people to God through Jesus Christ, not repel them or lead them down some other rabbit trail that will not satisfy them or lead them to eternal life. Verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first the, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, you might have heard this snippet, this passage, many times in your life. But let me reiterate this again. Uh, gratitude and generosity are going to grow out of his kingdom and his righteousness. Not out of worry, not out of vanity, not after chasing idols or any other way. They're going to grow in our lives because of what he has done and is doing. So let's, his, let's seek his kingdom of gratefulness for God's love, God's work, and God's eternal promises. Let's seek his righteousness for all of the ways that we aren't, right? The goodness of Jesus Christ, whose blood covers over a multitude of our sins in all those ways that we are not righteous. And when we seek Jesus' life for us, these other things that we've been talking about, that we worry about, that we get anxious about, these other things that cause a great multitude of worry in our lives, they're not going to seem so important anymore. Maybe they'll take a back seat. Maybe we won't even struggle with them anymore five, ten years down the road. When we grow in Christ, in the power of his love and his truth. God loves us. God cares about us and he cares for us. God is worthy to be trusted for everything that we might have or need. And so, putting the worry aside, how do we begin to live this out? Some of this practical stuff might overlap with previous sermons this fall, but I think um, all of these things are important for us to visit or revisit here today. So how can we live practical lives of generosity and gratitude, right? 
How can we be the people that we want to be in Christ Jesus outside the walls of the church, outside of a Sunday morning? And so I have a few things that we can think about, things that anybody can take now and go and do something with, right? So the first is this. I would encourage you to read the letter of Romans or to read the Gospel of John or both. Uh, when you read the Gospel of John, you're going to encounter the heart of God for humanity and for you. And I think that reading John gives us a baseline for viewing our place in the world as children of God, as image bearers of God, and how God breaks in and responds to our situation as humanity with his love and with his saving grace. In John 6, 35, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That is God's heart for you. It is God's heart for me. It is God's heart for the world. We learn to trust that God is loving, and not just loving, but that God is good as well. And when we believe both of those things, we have a much easier time trusting with all the other things in our lives. So read the Gospel of John. And then when we read the book of Romans, um, there is a robust message of grace for all the ways in our lives where we struggle and we know we don't live up and we fall short and we have flaws and we have things that just don't go right. We find grace. And Romans drives that point home. It reiterates that for us especially for those areas where we still need some help from the Lord, right? Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he made the first move. He didn't wait for us to get our life together and then come talk to us about following him. No, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And even though we still struggle with priorities in our lives or with sins, or with a self-centered ideology, when we read through Romans, we find that God breaks into our lives and he provides the help and the empowerment that we need to experience forgiveness and healing for all of those things that we're struggling with. And therefore, then again, like if we were to read John, we learn to trust in God's love and his goodness here as well. So that's the first thing. Read John, read Romans, read them both. Please do that. The second thing is this, uh, realize that stuff is just stuff. It really is. So as a kid, I remember um, the power went out. I think we were around the dinner table or something like that. We lived out in the country, so the power went out a lot. And my dad was reading some Bible passage because he would always read a passage at dinner out of the Bible, his old confirmation Bible with a tattered little zipper on it and everything. Um, and it was King James Version, so I didn't understand some of it, but that was okay. God was planting seeds. And stuff was one of the words, right? Stuff was one of the words in the passage he was reading. And he emphasized the word stuff. I don't remember why, I don't remember how, but what I do remember is when he said stuff, the lights came back on. And as a kid, that stuck with me, and it became a joke. So if the power went out, us kids would be like, stuff. <laughs> stuff, we'd be, we'd be like waiting for it to work and come back on. Uh, but I think my dad was somebody who grew to realize in life that his stuff was just his stuff. He didn't care that much for material possessions. For Christmas, he liked things like a, a can of mixed nuts. Things that he could eat and not store in some closet somewhere and forget about, right? So when we realize that stuff is just stuff, we heard this in our Matthew passage, and we just heard in verse 30, um, those clothes, those material things, the stuff, they are here today, and tomorrow they're thrown into the fire. 
That's literally how permanent our stuff is. And our society loves stuff, and not a single person, Christian or not, will be taking their stuff with them when they die. We make idols out of things that hold no value in eternity. And when we realize that the stuff is not the end, we find freedom. The stuff doesn't have to own us. We learn to invest in other things, like relationships, generosity, the kingdom work of God here on earth. And we find ourselves being attached to the things of God and the blessings of God rather than the things of this world. So I would encourage you, as you process the stuff in your life, do some reflection on how you view the things of this world and your things and your relationship with the things of this world, with the stuff, and ask God where he might be leading you to a healthier understanding of what he has entrusted you with. The third practical thing you could do is this. Say thank you to God and people. Be somebody who says thank you. Even sometimes if you're frustrated or not feeling like that person completely lived up to your standard, find a reason to say thank you to God and to people. The psalmist says over and over, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. There's any day, any moment of any day, we can find something that God has done for us to thank him for. And that gratitude to God should overflow into how we view the other people in our lives. So thank God for Jesus. Thank him for faith. Thank him for provisions and for those relationships that you get to be a part of. Uh, But also say thanks to other people because thank you goes a long way, right? Maybe it's not hard in the Iowa nice world that we live in. We hear thank you a lot. We probably say thank you a lot. But a friendly thank you or even an intentionally loaded thank you can go a really long way in the world. And it's not as common maybe as it once was. So thank God, thank others who bless you, care for you, serve you, those people that cheer you up or, or add something to your day or, or who go out of their way to do something nice for you or someone else, say thank you and learn to express the gratitude that you're noticing and that you're seeing. Look for ways to show your appreciation and thanks to the Lord and to other people. Let's make that a habit. The fourth thing is this, practice discernment. So what is discernment? Discernment is the ability to judge well and obtain spiritual guidance and understanding. Proverbs 3, 4, and 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. As a Christian, we trust in the Lord, and we discern through prayer. We discern through reading and consulting God's word and the scriptures. We discern through conversation with other Christians, and especially those things that we're not sure about or we're struggling with. And we discern through impressions and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we have a lot of tools to help us discern. And we can practice that. So when the practical pointer for gratitude and generosity, it means this. When we practice discernment, we practice discernment in how God is calling us to use what he has blessed us with, because we've talked about that a lot in this series. This is how we use your time, your resources, your talents in a way that reflects God's generosity and God's genuine uh, thanksgiving and gratefulness and provision for you. And then we practice discernment in who God is calling us to bless, not just with our stuff again, but maybe with our time, our presence, 
some encouragement. Who specifically might God be calling you to be generous with? And how might God use that generosity to show his love and his life to that person? So practice discernment in how God is calling you to use what God has blessed you with and in who God is calling you specifically to bless in your lives around you. And then the last thing is this. Um, Decide to grow. Decide that it's important to not stay where you are and to grow in the Lord. Now, I know the word decide can be really precarious for Lutherans, so let me just say this. Um, God has somehow given us the ability to partner with what he's doing, and we still somehow have the ability to reject what God is trying to do in our lives, right? That's called sin. That's called our sinful nature. And so sometimes, I think we need to go to the Lord and say, God, I want this. I want to grow. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I see this life that you have, this abundant life, and I don't feel like I'm living into that well. Lord, help me to grow. There's a posture of humility in this. So 2 Peter 3.18 says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in it, which means it's possible for us to grow in it. Jesus invites us to grow in him and his love. It's an invitation, and he really wants us to open that invitation and act on it, right? And I don't think that he forces us to do that or coerces us to do that, but he is certainly willing to offer us that invitation so that we can partner with his willingness and his love and his grace to work his change in our lives. And at the end of the day, God gets the credit. So we grow through prayer. Again, we grow through studying his word. We grow through experiencing God's grace and forgiveness. We grow through meeting together as the people of God, as the church, and through worshiping together. We grow through serving together. There's many ways that we grow. We grow through listening and engaging with good teaching. We grow through practicing our faith and allowing your faith to look more like Jesus. And we grow in our humility when we learn to think a little bit less of ourselves and a little bit more of God and his work in our lives. Understanding that we always have more to learn and we always have more of God's love to experience. And then we let that love change us and transform us. So I encourage you as we go into December here, in a busy season, put those things into practice. Let me recap those for you. First, read Romans or John, or both. Second, realize that stuff is just stuff. Third, say thank you to God and to people. Fourth, practice discernment. And fifth, decide to grow. And if you don't feel like growing right now, ask the Lord to help you to feel like growing. Just a simple prayer. That God may do some work in your heart to bring you to the point where you could say, yes, Lord, I want more of what you have for me. So as we put these things into practice, know that God has promised to be with you to the very end of the age. God's Holy Spirit is the one driving this for you. He's there to help. He's there to empower you. We as the body of Christ are there for you to help and empower you. Know that God's grace is where all of this starts, and it's also where it ends. And give thanks to the Lord, for he indeed is good. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray simply, help us to not worry about all of the things that we tend to that aren't of you. And not that they're bad or evil things, Lord, but sometimes we just get distracted and we turn our eyes and our attention and our energy onto all these things 
that really don't matter in the long run. So Lord, would you show us your grace? Lord, as we um, try to repent of those things that have a stronghold in our lives, and as we desire to turn away from those things that are not of you, Lord, help us to realize um, that the things, the stuff that you uh, bless us with often in this world uh, are just tools. They're, they're for a bigger purpose, Lord, and they're for your purposes. They're for the kingdom of God. Help us to realize humbly our place as stewards, not as owners. And Lord, we pray that you would give us tons of wisdom and discernment and grace. Uh, to, to figure out how to live this out in a way that is holy and pleasing to you, God. Lord, help us to be people who are overflowing with gratitude for your love, for salvation that is found in and through Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, help us to be generous with all that you have given us. Help us to be generous with the gospel that you have called us to live out and proclaim to the ends of the earth. We thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.